It's not a bird, it's not a plane, it's Superhero Slate. It's a modern podcast where we talk about everything that's great. Like movies, TV, superheroes. It's Superhero Slate. Hello everyone and welcome to Superhero Slate, the show where we run down the latest superhero entertainment news. We love TV, movies, and superheroes, so let's talk it all out. My name is Chris Dillard. And my name is Mike Royer. And this week we are going to be breaking down some more SDCC Marvel details that maybe weren't available to us last week yes the convention that's so big it spans two weeks of news yeah literally uh, we could probably have a whole nother show of just what we found out like the monday after <laughs> uh but we're not we got that so got some more we're gonna talk about why the x-men aren't in the mcu yet this is mike's Ooh, favorite news my, for the week yes favorite news of the week by far yes uh and we're gonna ponder if dc even has a plan for like having three maybe more different <laughs> batman going on coming up and more yeah, I don't know if there has ever been a, a comic title uh, in DC called Batman, mm-hmm. but there was a Spider-Man title yeah, Spider-Man. Uh, that w- that ran like I think five issues, but who there, knows if it so had like a spinoff. There, are, it is five issues, and there is a sequel as well, Spider-Man Two. Um, oh, so, gotcha. Because if there, I don't, they they should do that with Batman. Yeah, well, <laughs> ex- exactly. Because they also in in DC they did the three Jokers, right? Like um, recently, it was a comic series about three different versions of the Joker. Uh, existing at the same time so yeah bat batman would be fantastic okay so i mean as far as i can tell if the batman comic exists google will not let me find it because it just auto corrects me to batman comic mm-hmm. so as far as we know google is censoring the existence yeah. of this comic if it does exist uh what do you but, mean turn yeah, my I safe would... search off to find batman <laughs> <laughs> but if i could categorize last week's episode i would say it was all about the excitement in the of the announcements and i would say these would be more of the interesting announcements side of uh comic-con so we're going to talk about we're going to talk shop talk hollywood talk business that's always my favorite part of it right because it's always great to announce these big projects but like these are always big monumental things that take a lot of people there's all these machinations that happen underneath and i really i love that type of stuff myself yeah so that's uh that'll be fun to talk about and of course like we <laughs> wish we had on retainer i would love to have an entertainment lawyer mm-hmm. just like in my pocket who could just tell me how all of this stuff is actually working but even then you got to be the entertainment lawyer that's like working like on this project right and then they're always under like ndas client privilege so it's always a big mystery box so we're just here speculating upon behalf of fans doing the best we can with the information we have uh it feels kind of like a sherlock mystery sometimes like we're given like three different bits of information like all right what what can we draw from this that makes the most sense so oh man yeah sherlock remember when that show was popping that was crazy that just goes to show you like when a british tv show gets so popular that americans are just eating and eating and eating it up like you got to keep feeding the american uh entertainment audience because the second you take too long of a break mm-hmm. like the fever just dies off like I re- that sherlock fever was so intense everyone all about benedict cumberbatch and martin freeman and then they took like three years yeah. off it felt like and then just all of the energy just fell out like the show i don't think necessarily diminished in quality but it was just oh, like we, we've I, all moved on to the other things I, I, I wholeheartedly disagree i think they peaked themselves in season two by introducing 
Moriarty as like one of the most intriguing television villains, right? Mm-hmm. In, in the series, and then like, what the hell can we do now? Like we we've literally like peaked at this character. What can we do now? And the only way they could do it was like we've got to go into other people who have like mind palaces as well. And it just felt like it, they <laughs> even brought like, oh Moriarty's dead, but his ghost is like he planned so far in advance is like. He's going to be haunting Sherlock forever. Oh, I do remember that. Yeah, I don't even think we ended up finishing that, if you could call it a season, because it's like kind of like three movies. Yeah. I don't think we worked our way through it, but I remember like, they brought him back. He's supposed to be dead. (laughs) Yeah, no, he was dead. He just like, quote unquote, like planned far enough ahead to like ruin his life. That's how you know, like, to me, I think that's where the quality decline, right? You have to go back and bring an old villain in because literally that's all the fans want. Um, you, 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 you peak. So, um, but yeah, I mean, that, that, that show, I think, you know, deserved a better, and in, in, like, I guess an official ending, if you will, but, you know, uh, Cumberbatch and, and Freeman, Freeman was already, you know, I think a big actor, both went on to do bigger, better things, right? Doctor Strange and, uh, Bilbo Baggins, if you will, they're both in the MCU as well. Um, but yeah, moving on here, um, this, this week, uh, I've not had a chance to watch anything. Uh, I've been catching up on, you know, things around my house. I'm really, like really one of these bullet points I'll just, I'll say now is C2E2 is next weekend. Mike Chicago, Comic Con, mm-hmm. it's never been in August. I, it's never been warm any time I've ever been there. It's always been freezing <laughs> in February. So I am like, um, mentally preparing myself cause I've got a short week and then I've got to get up there. Uh, on top of like a myriad of other things going on out, outside of the show. So I'm just like, well, my entire life is going to be going through comic books. Uh, what do I want to take? What do I need to pick up while I'm there? Like doing my inventory list, right? Because you don't want to get to a show floor and like, well, do I have this at home or not? Because I haven't inevitably double purchased things in my life that I'm like, really didn't need to do that. Um, I'll just give it away to somebody. Love doing giveaways, but I will be there at C2E2. We will have tons of, of other people there, I'm very excited to have a whole crew. If you are going to C2E2 and you're a listener, let us know. We will find you. And we have a very specific set of skills. Uh, wait, hold on. I'm, <laughs> do, I'm doing Taken. Um, so Does um, does C2E2 ever have, like, the um, the hot toys or the sideshow collectible booths they, they there do, yep. on the show they, floor? They don't do a lot of it, reveals, but they do have the actual models on the floor, yeah. Gotcha. If they happen to have that uh, zombie Doctor Strange one, I know it's in pre-order right now, so I don't know if there's actually like a physical version of it mm-hmm. that exists. I would think if there there is one, right, yeah. it would be at their offices and they would take it out at conventions. I would just love to know your impressions, oh, yeah. IRL, in front of it, of, of what it so, looks like. So, um, listening to the show, Jason is going with us uh, this year. It's his first C2E2. He's a huge hot toy slash sideshow buyer um he's got a ton of marvels a ton of star wars so i'll have him go with me and we'll look for this and 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 give you his opinion as, as someone who actually buys quite a few of them um to do that he, he was selling me this week um spider-man from sam raimi's films uh, is getting mm-hmm. a hot toys figure i believe oh, nice. mighty thor was getting another one and um, I, I, I jokingly say they're doing a Morbius Hot Toys um, as well. <laughs> it actually, you know, all in all, despite you know how you know we 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 joke and and, and have expensive movie, the the figure actually looks like the character, like when he's doing the vampire face in the movie. So I'm, uh-huh. like, I'm like, I applaud Hot Toys despite knowing that this movie is a a, a bomb, t- doing well, their their, I mean... their best for this. <laughs> That, well, that is that is such the funniest thing about uh, Morbius, right? Is that visually, that the complaints never were really visual. Even when the trailers were out, 
and they kind of got the CG polished enough to actually put the Morbius face in the trailers, we were just like, oh, wow, it actually doesn't look too bad. And the special effects were actually really cool, I thought, in the movie. It was just the story that was trash. So if you had to encapsulate the best parts of Morbius, it would just be like a sideshow collectible, oh, right, of yeah. Jared Leto. Well, and, 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 um, well, and it was, it's his, it's his uh, I guess, uh, not zombie, vampire face. I, I take it back. The one I see him actually, the uh, slashed Vader helmet uh, from Obi-Wan Kenobi is getting a hot toy. Um, mm. And it uh, actually, his chest piece, his belt, and his lightsabers are LED-powered. So like oh, it, you actually great. get the glow off of him uh, to see like that that effect across his you know helmet mm-hmm. scarred face which I thought was really cool uh, effect for for you know a hot toy to have in there so um, yeah that's um, that's what we're talking about but yeah see no you, you should yeah no you should do Chris uh, have you heard of the app Polycam. It's this uh, 3D scanning app that you can put on your phone and it uses the LiDAR and all of the different lenses and everything to do like a really actually pretty good 3D scan. I've seen a lot of like special effects people uh, use it to kind of get quick, you know, um, 3D scans that you don't necessarily have to do a lot of work to if you're just trying to throw something in a scene. I would just, it would be hilarious if people were going up to like the sideshow booth, right? And just doing like 3D scans of all their stuff. Mm-hmm. Just like, no, I'm, I'm virtually stealing your products. So, uh, so um... that would be funny. Uh, I, I love your enthusiasm. They they keep them all behind glass cases. So, um, well, that's the thing, though. Yeah. Could you would would the sensors penetrate through the glass, though? I, I, I mean, don't... I suppose not the I suppose not the lidar, though, right? Yeah, it'll probably, well, it'll probably go through there, but it will reflect around uh, from the glass. And I think they keep some mirrors behind mm. it, so you can actually see the back of the statues. Um, well, like now I got now I need you to scan it just because I'm curious what it would even yeah, look I, like. It might look like a horror you, nightmare yeah. 3D model. You, and you know me, I already have several 3D scanning tools on my phone, so of course I'll get another <laughs> one to put it on there. Easy peasy. Uh, I've already got that yeah, got that it. tab and so, got that tab I, bookmarked. And sometimes they're not always behind glass. I think sometimes if the if the if the statuettes are large enough, I've, mm-hmm. I've seen them before where they're kind of like roped off, right? Mm-hmm. Where like you can't you can't reach them, but they I, unglass them. So if I, anyway, that's just that's yeah. just my suggestion. Well, well, I'll take a look and see what we can do. We'll have some fun. Yeah, I'm here at C2E2 to have fun and you know uh, not stand in lines and get sunburned uh, because this is entirely inside. But I'm very excited. Uh, they also, I think, announced this week Rosario Dawson is coming um, as a guest. Uh, Superfan Jim reminded me that Michael Rooker is going to be there as a guest. You can get photo ops with both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, very, very cool. Um, very, very excited to be up there. So that's literally all my focus this week and, and, and next week uh, is going to be because we will probably not record till late on next Sunday uh, to to really be able to capture that on the show. But, Mike, you've, you've had some time, it looks like, to watch some things. Uh, and tell us about it. Yeah. Well, I mean, before uh, Comic-Con rolled around, I was out of town on vacation, and then we hopped in some super hot news with the convention. So I have things that I've watched that have been kind of on the backlog. So, uh, but first up, uh, Paper Girls, uh, a very uh, popular uh, indie comic in a way, has Mm -hmm. been adapted into a live action series on Amazon Prime. And it, it just came out, so I don't really know what the critical reception is. But all I can say is, right now, the ooh, the first episode is first episode is rough. It is really, really rough. Uh, I hope maybe the show gets better and does the source material justice as you move through the seasons. But the it is it is very, very strange. Not often do I feel like I watch something and I can just kind of see like 
the hecticness of like the filmmaking come through but like the the camera like never stops moving it's mm-hmm. almost like the steady cam broke in a way like the the characters are just all so frantic and all over the place it's just like it's a like i don't want to like i feel like it's an insult you know to people if i say like the episode one is a mess but it, it kind of feels like a mess it's just so all over the place uh like for example there's a scene where there's like this character that has like a disfigured face and it's like supposed to be this mystery and a shocking thing but the camera's swiping and moving so quickly the audience doesn't even get to see the face but the main characters go oh did you see that guy's crazy face and i just like looked at the tv and i said no i didn't get to see it (laughs) and it's like i feel like i was supposed to so it kind of goes off the rails in a story point of view towards the end of the episode where things start to pick up but it's this like weird contrast of like there is some like hyper futuristic sci-fi elements brought in but they look like low budget network tv props and special effects Mm -hmm. which is really weirdly juxtaposed to like you know when you're watching like a premium streaming show and it's kind of like shot in that very kind of like almost like jj abrams-esque kind of way it was just a weird juxtaposition i don't know i i was felt i felt very weird after finishing the pilot so this is my call to anybody out there who is watching Paper Girls on Amazon Prime, let me know if you felt the same way about episode one. Let me know if it gets better after after episode two. You mm-hmm. know, it ends on an interesting cliffhanger, but I don't know the source material of Paper Girls. I just know it was a pretty uh, popular uh, indie comic in a way. I don't know if it came from an indie publisher, but I think it, I think it has the image. spirit of an indie com- Yeah. I think so I guess Image is not really indie but it's kind of indie because it's not marvel dc you know yeah um it was 2050 yeah, it was image comics because I, I remember when this came out being in the comic stores and uh seeing it, and, and it took off really well and it looks like it's um uh it's written by brian k vaughn did he have anything to do with the show did you see his name anywhere on there yeah i don't know i'm sure he since he was the creator of the comic i'm sure he is a um like a producer in some aspects but i don't know how much creatively he was involved in the show because brian k vaughn he is a great comics creator and but it does have me a little bit worried because he has other projects kind of in development that are turning into uh live action so he already who knows i'm failed uh why the last man didn't make it past the first season oh yeah that's right um so maybe this is uh (laughs) <laughs> yeah, uh, Sago is definitely, I think, like one of his biggest ones, and and people are like let's turn it into something. I'm like, you you don't want him, you don't want him turn it. Runaway, Marvel's Runaways, that was the other one, um, and that show was on Marvel yeah, TV. So, so yeah, I I think great I feel like comics. Heard... Some some comics shouldn't be translated over. I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, I feel like there is a little bit lost in the translation. Yeah. So either way, I, I would still still give Paper Girls a try out there because I am just curious. If it's just me, well, maybe I was in a funk when I was on the couch and I hit play on this. Um, it does kind of have like Stranger Things vibes to it. I'm not saying like Vaughn was necessarily going for that, but it's about like uh, kind of young teens on bikes in the 80s. Uh, with kind of a sci-fi premise kind of sidelining them. So, I mean, that's, you know, unfortunately in the time that you're in, everything gets compared to the biggest streaming TV show of all time right now, uh, Stranger Things. So there you go. Put the call out there. Let me know what you think about Paper Girls. Uh, But next up, uh, Bob's Burgers, the movie. 
which was sidelined itself by COVID for a while with a release date, uh, is finally streaming now. Well, I feel like it had a very short theatrical run. Uh, I don't think a lot of people were running to the theater to see it, unfortunately. Um, but the the movie was fine, right? <laughs> Isn't it always an interesting experience to watch um, kind of an adult comedy uh, get a feature budget, right? Because all of a sudden everything has shadows. Everything has uh, smoother and higher quality animation to it right it just kind of it feels weird it was like when i started playing elden ring on my ps5 and 60 frames per second everything's just so much buttery smoother it's like oh this is weird it took a bit mm-hmm. to get used to but it was well, nice oh, watching yeah. Um, oh yeah mike got a ps5 everybody um but <laughs> that, that's not for here it was yes uh special thanks to um to super fan of the show uh chris who was keeping me informed of when these PlayStation 5s are kind of getting uh, listed on the PlayStation Store. So shout out to him for uh, sending me that link when they were kind of re-upping on that uh, newsletter again. But uh, Bob's Burgers, it was fine. It's nice watching a Bob's Burgers story that gets a little bit more time to develop because I felt like it was a little bit funnier than the current state of the show is right now. But easy family movie to recommend. It's also one of those weird titles that's streaming in dual locations. Like it's on Hulu and it's also on HBO Max, mm-hmm. which is strange. I, I don't always understand those uh, dual deals, if they're like a legacy deal that was signed a while ago, or if there's like shared rights where nobody totally wanted to fund the whole thing to begin with. Uh, but yeah, there's a really good chance that you can go watch Bob's Burgers, the movie right now. Uh, I watched a new, somewhat new, at least it's 2022 listed, on Netflix called Metal Lords. It's written by uh, half of the gang of Game of Thrones, uh, D.B. Wise, I think I'm saying his last name right. But this is just like a nice, fun, little, you know, Netflix movie about some high school kids that are trying to start a metal band, right? You know, the stakes aren't too incredibly high. Uh, I feel like a lot of the budget went to licensing metal music because there is a lot of well-known metal music in this movie, and there's even cameos from uh, very, very well-known metal musicians (laughs) partway through the movie. So uh, have you ever watched a movie, Chris, and you go, this feels like it's rated 6.7 on IMDb, right? It just mm-hmm. feels like it. Uh, because when I went and looked this up, and I saw that it was a 6.7 on IMDb, and I was like, yes, it feels like it. And that's a weird sweet spot for movies and me in general. Because automatically, everything on IMDb, you have to add an extra one to the score, right? Because your most favorite movie of all time that maybe won a thousand million Oscars and everybody talks about all the time probably has like an 8.9 on IMDb, right? Like the movies that are in like the nine thresholds are so small. So you just, you automatically got to add a one to everything. So, and if you're scaling on a rubric, you know, you're looking at like a C plus and it feels like solid C plus. You can still have a fun time with. So, um, give metal Lords a shot. Uh, the, uh, the cat, the cast is pretty solid. The music is entertaining. The stories, it's fine. Yeah. So metal Lords, I would give it a shot. Pretty straightforward coming of age story. Uh, Netflix, Lower budget relatively, but the actors are fun. But uh, I never got a chance to talk about the last season of Umbrella Academy. Uh, I think, Chris, maybe you brought it up on the show when I was gone. Um, Uh, I I talked about the first—I've only seen the first episode myself. 
Oh, uh, gotcha. Uh, a solid installment. Another great third season. Uh, I love that the Footloose scene still uh, keeps going viral. People doing the the dance on TikTok is always fun for me because they do the side-by-side shot with the first episode of the show. If you don't know what I'm talking about, I think that's great. So just go watch the third season. Uh, just like all the other seasons, I feel like they set you up for another crazy adventure in the fourth season. So I'm looking forward to the next one. Uh, and yeah, talking about great casts, the Umbrella Academy probably has maybe one of the best uh, the best cast ensembles out there on television right now. Mm-hmm. So give yeah. Umbrella Academy a watch. That's me, Chris. That's you. All right. So let's jump into some news here. Um, that's why we're here. First and foremost, um, Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. Uh, literally disappointed they brought none of this to San Diego Comic-Con, right? Like, it's two of DC's movies next year. Aquaman and The Flash. The Flash, I totally understand why they wouldn't want to bring that up right now. But Aquaman, (laughs) short of, you know, Amber Heard's trial kind of being forgotten for a little bit, like, they could literally brought Jason Momoa out. And and you know how infectious he is. Mike, you've seen him at a convention. He knows you. Mm -hmm. You're his man. He said so himself. Um, (laughs) He went to his Instagram account and shared a photo of him and... um, uh, ben Affleck, you know, saying, uh, you know, Br- uh, Bruce and Arthur reunited and looking forward to being in Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom together. And lo and behold, I'm this is the first we're hearing about Ben Affleck being in a DC movie. Um, well, being in the other than The Flash, um, being in another DC movie anymore, right? Um, he's kind of, you know, made himself known that he does not want to be Batman anymore. Uh, Snyder versus kind of ending. They already did The Batman this year. They've got Michael Keaton returning as the Batman in at least two movies. So why why is Ben Affleck coming back for this movie? Is it like the start of the film, you think? The end of the film? A flashback? What, what's going on here, you think, Mike? I, I don't know. It's almost like I feel like with the DC side of their whole uh, movie film franchise, it's like I know this is going to seem obvious, but it seems like they're going with the strategy of like do whatever makes money, right? It seems like they're not too worried about like the synergy multiplier, right? That Marvel does. Like Marvel has, you know, at least a roadmap or a plan where they want to quadruple, quintuple their money by a strategy where they overlap characters and they build on these long phases, and that's how they generate these record-breaking box office revenues. And I feel like Warner Brothers is just like, what is the easiest answer that gives us the most return on our money because we are a business and it's like uh let's not lose a batman if we got one that's kind of what it seems like to me like they're like the internet liked this batman right let's just put him in another movie and see what happens there doesn't seem to be much strategy beyond that well ben affleck's got his life together right he finally married jennifer lopez after 20 years will they won't they uh, maybe maybe he's more apt to do it because maybe he's a little more relaxed. I don't know. Maybe maybe he has personal affairs in order. But um, I mean, I, yeah, that's a strategy. I mean, something yeah. I didn't think about. Right? Is like maybe they always wanted him to do it, and he was like, "No, nah, man, I'm just want to. Yeah, I just want to eat my Dunkin' Donuts in peace." It's like, that's no, right. he came back around. <laughs> I mean, exactly. And, and the, again, nothing wrong with Ben Affleck's Batman. Um, Ben Affleck as Batman, right? I don't, I don't have any qualms with him uh, at, at all. Uh, the movies they were in were entirely different beasts. But you know, um, it's just interesting. You know, literally two days ago they could have been like, "Hey, 
we have an Aquaman panel. We've got a you know, video of Jason Momoa and, and Ben Affleck together. They're going to say something, right? Or Jason Momoa is going to introduce someone coming to the movie. And they could have done this at San Diego and at least got some news out of it. I mean, I feel like this is, you know, Jason Momoa's Instagram is going to be a blip under the radar for most people. But, I mean, it's, it's, it's just wild to think we're going to be within, I guess, uh, a calendar year. We will have seen three different Batmans. Um, going on, um, with, yeah, with and ben I mean, like Michael Keaton and uh, Robert Pattinson, and I mean, and we're over halfway through the year, and they've yet to announce like a DC fandom for twenty twenty two, which is their version of like Disney's D twenty three, their own internal Comic Con, right? So we don't even have anything, you know, really on the calendar for like big DC events. Now they could just, you know do what any other announcement has ever been done and just just announce it right it doesn't have to, it could be just a press release they don't have to do like a whole fanfare around it they'll just let the internet do it for them right mm-hmm. but yeah we don't really have anything but yeah i think it's like um what's it like when a person you know really finds themselves you know has like a, a like a near-death experience and they're just like oh, i just want to live in the moment like that's what dc is doing right now they're just living in the moment they're just going from one movie to another and we're, they're just hoping Black Adam and Shazam really works out. And yeah. I feel like they, I feel like they do not have a strategy for Ezra Miller and the Flash. And mm-hmm. I think honestly, what they're doing is they're just going to wait until the movie comes out, and they're just going to all of the execs and the producers, they're just going to be on Twitter and the internet the whole weekend and just monitoring the situation. And then they'll make a call on Monday, right after the movie comes uh, out. I, I feel I, like that's the strategy. I, I, I'm going to go a little, little more cynical. I think they're going to have. two endings filmed uh one where ezra miller escapes flashpoint as the flash and one where somebody else escapes flashpoint as the flash um and they don't know what they're going to do yet until next year like they can be like okay well at the end of this movie he came out of flashpoint and oh my gosh it's a different person okay great uh this actor is now the flash going forward who has less um you know he's not terrorizing this. This actor isn't terrorizing Hawaii in the moment. So uh, <laughs> let's use them. Or you know it could be like Ezra Miller stuff could can blow over and be forgotten within a year, right? So I don't know. I don't know what's going on here. I just know, boy, there's a lot going on uh, that we don't know. That I mean, like it's just like we can sit here and, and hypothesize and speculate all day long, but I feel like we're gonna be wrong on every account all the way through. So. <laughs> Um, hopefully that new that new person running the the show over there will, you know, get the ship going by the end of next year, kind of thing. Uh, we're gonna shift gears into Star Wars Acolyte. It's a little something we haven't heard for a while. I don't think Star Wars really didn't have a presence at San Diego Comic Con, did they? Um, overall, nope, not at so, all. So uh, I do know some of the actors will be at C two E two. I believe um, this will be a great place uh, for for D twenty three to kind of step up and talk a little about some of these shows. Um, going to here, so um, a little bit, of, a little bit of, I guess this is rumor. We'll, we'll flag this whole rumors that, that most of this will take place in a world called San Shiro, which is made of marshlands and snowy mountains. Uh, the there's a village uh, that is attacked by these tribal beings, and the Jedi show up and fight them off for the village. The uh, a character called Aura, played by Amanda Stenberg, who was announced a couple of weeks ago, uh, is not taken by the Jedi to train with them, but her sister is. Uh, so she's all very upset that she can't go be a Jedi. So she ends up joining these so-called acolytes, uh, and the winner of this acolyte challenge becomes a Sith apprentice uh, along the way. 
So um, again, it takes place hundreds of years before a new hope, or not even new hope, the prequels even. So um, we won't probably won't see much overlap there, um, but it sounds fine. I mean, that sounds way different than any other Star Wars stuff we've got, right? So far, yeah. This is going to be like the first, uh, the first dip of going so far back in the past, right? That mm-hmm. you know, maybe only one or two characters who are like aliens and have long lifespans might possibly right show up yeah. like there's a chance like yoda could technically be alive right? he is he, he, he during, technically uh, is during this. during this um due to the comic books but this character is new um so i, I don't i don't think i don't think they're gonna try to cross over yoda with this hopefully oh i i i wouldn't put it past them right no. in the last like in the last episode a little cameo from a younger yoda mm-hmm. which what would a younger yoda like sound like because yoda mm-hmm. in my head always just sounds elderly because we've always met him when he was elderly so that'll be that'll be interesting to see how that goes um but yeah we talked about uh lord of the rings last week right where the prequel was so far back in the past but then you reminded me that elves like live forever so there's technically still going to be characters around of that that existed in the other properties so yeah this is uh this will be interesting Mm -hmm. right we have like we have a side of pop culture that's going heavy into the multiverse of letting people do anything in any universe and now there's this other slice where it's like well if we just go far enough back in the past we can do what Mm -hmm. we want to kind of so we we refuse to go forward but by god we'll go backwards is what star wars is yes exactly we're either going backwards or we're going into another dimension yeah so um yeah so uh yeah that's going star wars act like i think that's a it's it sounds fine to me like i don't I don't need a retelling of like a, a parallel of anything else. Like this sounds great. You're going to figure out why someone um, becomes, I, I think there's an opportunity here. Someone said for, um, was it, what's his name? Darth Plagueis to, to make an appearance as like the Sith master of this era a hundred years oh, ago. Oh yeah. Uh, so we could see that or the person who is before Darth Plagueis. I don't know how long these people, these evil people live. Um, so um, some history be, be great on there. And speaking of history, for characters we know and love in Star Wars, Star Wars Tales of the Jedi, the upcoming animated show, uh, will apparently, uh, rumored, depict Count Dooku killing a known Jedi Master that we've seen before uh, on his way to becoming Darth, um, not Sidious, uh, Darth, what's his name? Tyrannus. Uh, So, um, very, very interested to see if they actually go through with showing him kill a Jedi on screen or not. Is this... Is this going to be the origins of that uh that basement Jedi cooler, right? The big uh, oh, yeah, the yeah. big walk-in freezer where they put all of those Jedi's. I mean, we never really we talked about that a little bit when we talked about Obi Wan. You seem to fall on the side that all of those characters were dead and kind of yeah. frozen as kind of like taxidermied awards. Whereas uh, there is a there is a very loud other slice of the fandom that thinks they are still alive and essentially like frozen in stasis because if you look at the characters, they're all like shocked, like in a moment in time. They don't really mm. look like corpses. So I don't know which way it goes either, but it does kind of seem a little bit like a strategy of like, well, we could unfreeze one of these mofos at any time and give them a series. Well, I to me, it's more of not even that. It's it's, I I think they're using Jedi blood to help make the Emperor. Like they're saying this cloning thing up, right, for the Jedi to to make or mm-hmm. this this not the Jedi, the Emperor to to make bodies that can support him, right? That need, um, mm-hmm. like 
force sensitive blood and i think that's you know part of why grogu's whole thing they, they were trying to clone him right in in the or not clone yeah clone take his blood and in the stuff so there's uh, i think i think that's why i lean towards that but like maybe there's opportunity in these other shows to like kind of plant these seeds uh i could only see it also being coming a, a literally star wars novel or comic book later rather than visuals but i would like to see what they're doing with this stuff it seems very I think, uh, purposeful i think, think feloni is just trying to find a way to bring plo coon back right yeah. it's like we th- we theoretically saw him blow up in a uh in a in a spacecraft right but you know i feel like you bring the character back with a missing limb right mm-hmm. and it's like okay i, I believe that you yeah. know the the explosion blew a limb off, but he's fine. Well, uh, that seems very Star Wars to me. And, and you know, you know the, the the history of uh, Mando season two, the end of it there with Luke Skywalker was literally filmed with Plo Koon <laughs> to throw people off. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah. Yeah. Plo Koon will be this red herring forever. Yeah, he'll 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 be back eventually. <laughs> uh, shifting uh, gears, I guess, to the video game side of Star Wars, Mike. Bad news for PlayStation fans. The remake of Knights of the Old Republic that was announced last year is apparently on hold indefinitely already. Um, mm. um, apparently, I was reading uh, the they showed off a demo to like investors and, and board people. I think in like June, like early, uh, late June, and it went over really well. And then they immediately fired their art director and design director like the next week. Um, and now they don't know huh. what the, what, the game's on pause because. They don't have anyone to really run the show over there, so um, that's that 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 feels like there is an unknowable like third party um, like event that has happened behind the scenes, right? Yeah, something that's maybe unrelated to game development that's happening, like something interpersonal for that to happen so abruptly, right? You mm-hmm. know, I'm not saying necessarily anybody did anything wrong, but who knows? Maybe a, a new person was brought on board and was like wanted to bring their own people in or something. Well, yeah. There's I, 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 and I'm going to, I'm going to chalk this part up as a rumor here is that the demo, like, like all these resources for years went in to make this demo, right. To show off to, to Sony and, and, and Lucasfilm reps. Um, but mm. like they can't replicate it on a full game scale. They can only do it in like the demo mode, like, like a small slice of the game. They can't, scale it to make it be a whole game and i think that might be maybe the problem like look this is fantastic this is you're over delivering here however when you try to make a whole game out of this it just falls apart kind of thing so um i i've never uh, i will show my cards here. i've played the intro to knights of the old republic about three to five times um i've never been able to get through the game or complete it nothing against it it's just a big time suck to play one of these rpgs like this so um i've never been able to go through it but um I was very excited for this new remaster for, for, for PlayStation, right? Like, that's one of the few reasons to get a PlayStation is for the exclusive. So, um, hopefully that either that company, Aspire, is able to pick it back up and get it done, or, or somebody else is, because I think that'd be fantastic um, for that. But we are getting a lot of Star Wars games coming out here. I believe, um, the was it the um, Jedi Fallen Order sequel, Jedi Survivor, you know, is coming out eventually. So, that'll be fun. That'll be a good time. Let's talk. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna get back into Marvel here uh, for the rest of the show, just so everyone knows. So buckle up, buckaroos. Let's do this. Spider-Man Four, the theoretical Spider-Man Four, coming up. Kevin Feige, he's out doing interviews right now this week, Mike. He he is answering the stupidest questions from everybody across the world, <laughs> uh, and some of them are pretty smart. So 
Um, so he was talking about Spider-Man. What's he doing? How is he paying his rent? Right at the end of Spider-Man: <laughs> No Way Home, we see him, you know, living in a, in an apartment and, and going out to to help people. Spider-Man. So Kevin Feige says that he, um, the jobs Peter Parker has that stick with him the most are teacher and scientist. Um, um, excuse me, what about pizza delivery boy? Pizza delivery. I thought that was yeah. Raimi Cannon. <laughs> and, and that in the films, yes, but I think I think he's talking more about you know com- overall comic books, every medium, right? He's that. I was going to say photographer um, would have probably been a, a high one, but I don't think that happened mm-hmm. until much later um, in in the comic books. So when you go look at those old comic panels of Peter Parker in his green vest that he wore all the time. Um, he, he was he was being a scientist and wanted to be a teacher. Now, I don't think that uh, Tom Holland would be a good teacher. Um, you know, at his age, I don't see him like looking as young as he is teaching a, a class full of people yet. So maybe scientist is something he could lean into a little bit uh, if he has to have well, the a, only way... a real job. Well, I feel like the realistically the most realistic way to get the character to a teacher. In the quickest way possible, it's like a grad student, right? You know, uh, theoretically, he could be maybe, uh, you know, a sophomore by the time the next Spider-Man movie comes out, you know, if they kind of just move along with the progress of the MCU. But, you know, really the next time we should see him should be a freshman, right, in college. Mm-hmm. And even then, like, you can't be a – you're not really a grad student, like, or teaching until you, at least, like, towards, like, the last end of your – your your degree and usually it's supposed to be when you're going to your masters but you know i could see him like maybe going to like a smaller new york college right since you know he didn't get to go to where his friends went um and maybe he's like so he's so big and excelling so quick that he's teaching a little bit but um yeah. seems like he's going back to school for yeah. sure yeah i i um i i would not be surprised if they maybe do like a little time jump a little bit for him um not necessarily because I we don't Sony hasn't announced the next Spider-Man movie so like what we're looking at maybe what three years maybe until till we get one so that would be 2025 I mean he could be, you know what you know what it could be is he could be teaching people that had kind of lost time in the blip right he could mm-hmm. be like a like a tutor that's trying to help people catch back up to their peers mm-hmm. and uh, maybe it could be stark related right like mm-hmm. a foundation or like something like that you know giving back that would that would be my in in universe guess yeah. I, I could also see him possibly like you know he, he they they said he was smart in all of these movies but they never really showed him doing anything smart on his own right like he, he always used that stuff and now that no one knows who he is. He doesn't have access to the Stark tech. So maybe, maybe he's got to invent some stuff or, or, you know, maybe, maybe this is how he gets into like a, a, a maybe an Oscorp pops up, right? Kind of a little bit like the amazing Spider-Man stuff where he's like a, I guess, a, um, what do you call him? Like kind of like a, a lab assistant or something there for a little bit. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So, um, there's opportunity here, but teacher and assistant are what Kevin Feige thinking, whether, whether that comes to fruition or not. But shifting into the animated Spider-Verse, Mike, we had questions last week. Spider-Man freshman year appeared to not be how Peter Parker got his origin in the MCU. And we now have confirmation Mm -hmm. that this show is set to be in the MCU multiverse, similar to a what-if story. So uh, take Civil War, where Tony Stark shows up in his apartment and takes him all the way to Germany, replace Tony Stark with a Norman Osborn, and that's where this show takes place. Um, 
So he's funding them, he's bankrolling them, he's going to run into different villains and, and different people in this world because he never went with, you know, I don't know if Iron Man's even in this universe. We don't, we don't know that far, but gotcha. it definitely is not I, I, MCU uh, related. I, I, I suppose it makes me slightly more interested because last week I said if this isn't related, you know, to the Tom Holland MCU, it just makes it another Sony... Or not another. It makes it just another animated Spider-Man show, mm-hmm. right? Which there's a dime of dozen. So, but I guess if they're kind of pivoting this to more exist within, you know, a what-if scenario, it does make me a, a slightly more interested. Yeah. But yeah, because then we can imagine, like, oh, you know, his maybe his mother will still kind of look like the Aunt May from the movies, right? When yeah. you know Norman Osborn walks into his uh, Queen's apartment. <laughs> yeah, it, and I think. If it was more along the lines of the the MCU and they don't have a lot to draw from yet, right? Like they'd be like, "Who can we use that we'll never use in the movies?" Um, so with this, at least you know the villain roster looked interesting and the suits look cool. So um, I, I'd like to see some some animation on and learn a bit more about it. But I know we're a little bit farther away on this one than some of the other stuff. But uh, um, yeah, honestly, like I said, it's probably just another Spider-Man animated show. At the end of the day. I am Groot does not come out this week, Mike, but the next week. We are a little, little week and a half away from this, um, and it is confirmed to take place between the Guardians two ending and the post credits of Guardians two. So um, remind me again, what is the post credit scene of Guardians two? It's teenage Groot where he's got the Game Boy kind of thing. Oh, uh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, like so, <laughs> literally only when he's a baby Groot for like. We we don't even know how far the the postcards of Guardians two takes like out in the future, so like I'm like is mm-hmm. it a week? Is this like a couple weeks? So this is where it takes place. Um, you know the the showrunner, I guess the, the there even is a showrunner for five little animated shorts. Um, you know, <laughs> got with James Gunn early on. He's like, yep, these are fine, and it does not affect Guardians three in any way because this takes place so far back in the MCU, if you will. Just be a fun little romp. Mm-hmm. We watched some of the uh, Baymax shorts um, on Disney Plus, and they're yeah. fun. They're yeah. nice little shorts. It's fun to see Baymax again because I have not really thought about the character since we watched Big Hero Six when it uh, was yeah. in theaters. So yeah, fun little shorts. Yeah, and, and um, I've heard you know glowing reviews from the people who did get to see them. Um, so it's like 20 minutes total to watch all five of them. So it's pretty good, pretty, pretty quick run. So, um, excited to check those out on Disney plus, um, on August 10th when those come out. Now let's get into, I I think this is going to be one of my favorite upcoming shows, Mike next year. And that's secret invasion. Um, it's Mm -hmm. got, you know, the return of Nick Fury. It's got the scrolls. It's got, um, you know all sorts of fun stuff that I really like about the MCU. But the rumor is, uh, actress Olivia Coleman, who is joining this, is playing a gender swap version of the character Union Jack. And without you reading these bullet points that I've already typed in here, Mike, would you have known who Union Jack is or what he did uh, beforehand? <laughs> well, I know what he looks like because I just googled it. Yeah. Uh, and surprise, he's they... wearing the Union Jack. <laughs> <laughs> yes, visually looks like exactly what I thought. I just think it's funny that Olivia Coleman, maybe, maybe one of the most prestigious actors that I feel like the MCU has copped recently. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, she's an Academy Award winner, um, and I only ever imagine her in very serious films. So for me to imagine her being like a, 
you know, like you said, like a sw- like a swapped version of Union Jack is humorous to me, but not in a bad way. <laughs> yeah, and, and so here's what I'm going to say: you know, Union Jack is a essentially he has no superpowers, but he is trained in espionage. So to me, it's similar to. Um, like a Black Widow, right? A little bit is what I'm kind of imagining. Maybe a younger, like Olivia Coleman's younger self in this MCU was a British version of the Black Widows. Um, and mm-hmm. now that she's older, she's gotten more into the administrative side, like Nick Fury. So to me, she is the UK version of Nick Fury. And like, um, they probably have a history together of some kind because, you know, I, she, I wouldn't say she's as old as um, Samuel Jackson, but I mean, uh, Olivia Coleman's not a, not a young actress, right? Is that... 48s, yeah. So um, I, I think she could easily pull off like uh, a British, you know, espionage person who's worked over, over the years. Um, in the comic books, one of the versions of Union Jack was exposed to a variant of the Super Soldier formula. So um, she may have some slight super strength, maybe, or stamina. I don't mm-hmm. know, but I, I doubt it. I think she's going to be more administrative um, for this. But that makes me even more excited that, you know, we, we haven't really got to go to really like London in any of the, the MCU movies minus the Eternals. But that was like for about maybe a blink and you miss it kind of scene. So <laughs> yeah, um, it's like one, one street with some flowers. Yeah. And, and I guess the end of Spider-Man far from home, but you know, that doesn't really feel like London proper down there. So um, yeah, I'd be interested to see, I'm, I'm very interested to see this uh, with the scrolls and everybody involved. Again, we've got, um, Oh, um, what's the name from the game? Uh, uh, Game of Thrones, the dragon chick, Daenerys, uh, that actress is in it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, a lot of lot of great people um, going on this. The second rumor for Secret Invasion that the reshoots are doing right now are happening because there's a new writer on the series who is retooling the show a little bit. Um, and I don't know what to make of that, uh, but, you know, if they have to do reshoots to make it better, knock on wood, hopefully from the feedback they've gotten from the other MCU shows, right? they may be um, being able to adjust this uh, live as they kind of film it and adjust it. So it's not the same as, you know, the, the shows that we're watching right now in the MCU. Cause they're all about being reactionary. We show- Yeah. Hopefully the, um, the gravitas and the legacy that Samuel L. Jackson brings to it should be a big deal, right? I mean, he has, uh, if anyone's been a common thread through all of these movies, it's been Sam Jackson mm-hmm. and, you know, you got to take his Netflix series seriously. So yeah, I hope it's, I hope this is all positive news. <laughs> he will be all the longest running MCU um, actor, uh, right? At, um, when this drops because of, uh, you know, um, Robert Downey Jr., um, his character, uh, Iron Man passing. And I don't think, um, I guess, uh, what's his name? Uh, Happy Hogan was in Spider-Man Far From Home. But I can't think of anybody else from that era, from that first movie who's made it this far. Um, can you off the top of your head? No, maybe. Yeah, I mean, unless we're talking about uh, um, Pepper, right? No, Potts. Yeah, Pepper yeah, Potts, yeah. But, but she was right? only that's in, her name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pepper, she was only in Endgame though. Last, um, mm-hmm. not saying she couldn't pop up, but I, you know, we don't. I don't think I don't think uh, that actress has any care to be back in Marvel. Um, and then you know, Tim Ross Abomination will be the second longest when he returns in She Hulk because. Uh, the Incredible Hulk was that same year as Iron Man 1. Just in the summer. So yeah, I'm excited for Secret Invasion. Hopefully these are great. Uh, hopefully maybe we can get some insights on some of this uh, as the reshoots continue happening. Fantastic Four. We've known about it. We've we've been excited for it. Uh, we've got a release date 
uh, right of November 2024, um, last weekend. Uh, Kevin Feige has confirmed that this movie will not be an origin story film. So, yay for that, right? I, I guess where uh, he said, and I quote, A lot of people know this origin story. A lot of people know the basics. How do we take that and bring something that they've never seen before? First, you have to bring a good version of the Fantastic Four. We've never seen that. That's that's goal number one, Mike. Jump that hurdle. We're off to a good start. Second, I don't know what they're going to do with this, Mike. Any any theories? Is it a multiversal Fantastic Four that comes into our universe during this Kang thing? What? How do they do it? It's, I mean, as of right now, when you look at like the timeline, right? Especially with this movie being the only film in phase six that's not an avengers movie right Mm -hmm. when we saw so far big uh timeline yeah so far uh it seems strange to think that it won't be multiversal related right it seems like it's kind of gotta be in some way uh when i hear it's not gonna be an origin story you know it makes me think yo we're gonna meet the family as it's already been powered but also at the same time like I feel like when Kevin Feige, he says like, oh, people already know this origin story. I think I would push back a little bit and go, well, the majority of the people that go to your movies and rack in your box office numbers probably don't know the origin of the Fantastic Four. But also, I think that's fine. It's not a big stretch to explain it almost in just like a side conversation, right? Where like you could almost just imagine like two characters just having a brief exchange of just like, oh, yeah, we got hit with some cosmic rays or I guess they could change the origin. But, you know, the most unique thing about the Fantastic Four is their power set, not necessarily their origin, you know, especially Mr. Fantastic probably being the most visually striking and different thing that we're going to see in the MCU really in this whole, this whole grand experiment of the MCU, they're really going to like kind of like break the visual style. Even when we got to see him stretch just a little bit in the multiverse of madness, it was pretty weird, right? Not necessarily in a bad way, but it was like, Mm -hmm. Oh wow, there's a limb going out there. Um, So that'll be fun to see. But, yeah, an origin. I mean, people before the multiverse kicked off, people were always assuming that maybe there would be like a scientist 60s. out of time. Yeah, like, right? like, yeah. like they've which been could, lost since the 60s. Which could be kind of fun. That, and right? they could do but, that. They could just start, like, oh, they appeared here. We yeah, don't have be, to have a 60s set movie, I guess. Um, well, because uh, the Shang-Chi movie is supposed to be titled Wreckage of Time. Yeah. So it seems like time is still involved in some facet. Um, but yeah, I hope this Fantastic Four movie is great. Unfortunately, we don't have John Watts anymore, uh, but hopefully they bring somebody in great. Yeah, I, I feel, you know, again, Spider-Man, uh, what was it? Uh, Homecoming um, was the first Spider-Man movie. We didn't have an origin, right? Or the origin for him in the MC was told in Civil War in a couple scenes. So... Um, mm-hmm. I feel when he says we don't need an origin film, we don't need to start with the characters and go from that, that is totally fine with me. I think let's speed it up. Let's get through this. Let's get them in here. We know, we know their four powers, right? Like if I said, hey, who, what's the invisible woman do? Oh, she turns invisible. Yes. Yeah, of course. Um, the other rumor I'm gonna, I'm, I didn't write down here because it's coming up is that they have cast Jason Siegel as the thing who could possibly be in She-Hulk. I will. I'm going to take that with a huge grain of salt. I don't believe that one bit, but that has been making the rounds. Uh, in a, I mean, in a I love, I love Jason Siegel. Like he's like, 
He's one of the he's one of the the, the big actors for me. So I, I suppose it would just be his voice, right? And maybe his motion capture, because even with um with uh, Bruce Banner, right, you could kind of see a human face on the Hulk, you know, as he has kind of progressed through the MCU. I don't think you can get a whole lot of fidelity with rocks on the face, right? Mm-hmm. So even even with the fo- voice, I'd be happy. Yeah, and I also think that would also be like a. Um... Like, I guess a shakeup of the thing, right? Like, we've always seen him as, like, a hard-ass, kind of, like, he's got a fight, and, you know, he's a big, you know, I mean, New York, New York. yeah, we can leave the New York accent with, with Jason Siegel, fine, but, like, having someone who's funny and, and, and can be humorous in this role, like, you have to, you know, you can't take seriously because he's just literally made out of rocks would be fantastic. So, Fantastic Four, even, if you will. So, um, we'll know in a couple weeks if that's true or not, because She-Hulk kicks off August 17th. Um, and we'll we'll keep an eye out for that. So Fantastic Four, we'll keep you guys posted. Following Fantastic Four um, that we know so far is Kang uh, Avengers: The Kang Dynasty, which has now been confirmed. Which this is where they didn't announce this on the floor. Will be directed by Dustin Daniel Cretton, the director of Shang Chi. So um, huge grab there. Um, he's also working on a Wonder Man series with one of the writers of uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine. Uh, was it? community or parks and rec one of those one of those people of course he's working on shang shang chi 2 wreckage of time possibly a 10 ring series i think i think that rumor has been floated in, in before so um I, I i'm very interested to see what he can do out, you know outside of the shang chi yeah yeah if you're getting graduated to an avengers film they definitely believe in you you know they know that they can trust you with a, a big property so yeah. that's good signs uh, right there. Yeah, it is interesting that they didn't announce it at Comic-Con. It seemed like it'd be great to do it there, but maybe, like we said at the top of the show, maybe they just wanted to continue the news mm-hmm. cycle for another week after Comic-Con. That's not necessarily a bad thing to do. And who knows, maybe maybe the contract just wasn't signed just yet, you know? Maybe everything seemed like it was going to be happening, right? But, you know, you got to get that last dotted line uh, with yeah. the signature on there. But yeah, we'll see how it goes. It's been a minute. It's been a minute since I've seen Shang Chi. I never mm-hmm. got around to rewatching it. Just the one time I saw it in theaters. The first film that I really went to um, after or in the middle or during the pandemic, however you want to define it. So it was just a interesting experience overall. No matter what the movie would have been. So mm-hmm. I need to go back and rewatch it and see how I feel. Yeah, um, that also is one of the few films with the IMAX version on on Disney Plus as well. So you can catch the IMAX version on that. Um, I I also think, you know, um, The Gray Man has recently come out on Netflix and people like the Russo Brothers, like what what has happened to them since all these other movies? I think directors are great. But what I want to know, Mike, is who is the writer of this film? Who is writing these films? Because Mm -hmm. I think um, Stephen Marcus and Christopher McFeely do not get enough credit for being the people to really craft the story for the Avengers movies and, and, you know, even both Captain America movies and beforehand, um, you know, with the Civil War and Winter Soldier. So I'm like, who is writing this movie? Because I think that is the important part. A director can bring that script to life, but who's writing the story to tell mm-hmm. us about all these characters? Because I think to me is just as important, if not more important than who's directing the movie at the end of the day. Yeah. And also, like, when it comes to writing and feature films, it's always such an unknowable mystery box, too, right? Because, you know, once the director gets their hands on it, and then once it gets into post-production and it starts getting cut together, you know, what even survives to begin with? And then we know Feige is creatively involved in everything in every step of the way, for Mm -hmm. sure. So... 
Yeah. It's always good to know who the writers are going to yeah. be. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the other part of this um, is that the, the rumored plan is, because there's no confirmation whatsoever, is there we'll have a different director for Avengers Secret Wars. Um, mm-hmm. The Again, we know it is no secret. The Russo brothers want that to be you know, their project. They've said, like, oh, we want to do Secret Wars. We want to do Secret Wars. Well, I'm like, yeah, it's fine, but who's writing it for you? Um, that, that they probably it. have... They- just strategically, the movies come out the same calendar year. Yep. I got to imagine that this is going to be filmed back to back. You know, you could almost imagine the Roost, it had to be a directing team to yep. do Endgame and Infinity War. You had to have two directors like on set managing all of this stuff, right? So, yeah, you need to bring in somebody else to handle another Avengers film that comes out so quickly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and, I feel with them being the same calendar year, Mike, is that um, they will probably be very different in in terms of what they're doing. I think Kang Dynasty will probably end with you know uh, Kang probably not not surviving them overthrowing Kang and then them having to deal with the the destruction of the timeline in, in Infinity War uh, or not Infinity War, Secret Wars. So like, if that's the case, then you know this is going to be great to have two directors who can really you know nail those different tones across the board yeah and it's like you know do we just assume that it's going to be another previous marvel director you know are we looking at peyton reed are we looking at you know uh, ryan coogler are we looking at the director of black widow which i think it's like short shortland or something um, like that kate, i think that's who directed kate black widow. something is it kate shortland i believe yeah i think i think yeah. so so uh, who knows? And maybe, uh, maybe like a popular director from a streaming series, you know, gets promoted to a feature film. That's a possibility too. But yeah, it looks like they're looking from within their ranks. Yeah, hundred percent, and and that's fine. Even like I said, even if they get the Russo brothers back for Secret Wars, um, I think yeah, that'd be a huge name recognition, huge draw. I want to know who's writing this. I gotta know who's pulling the strings for this because like you can't just trust it until like somebody. Um, like I wouldn't let the Russo brothers write their own script for Secret Wars, like at all. I'm like, just stick to directing and making it work, and and we'll go down that road. So, um, yeah, Avengers movies capping off uh, multiverse saga in 2025. All right, here's the 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 big meat, I guess, of the episode, Mike, if you will. Uh, the X Men, right? We did not get any announcements about the X Men at San Diego Comic Con, um, and we were like, why? Why not? This is this would be awesome, right? You've already teased us twice this year with the word mutation, and the X Men theme mm-hmm. song, you know, really got my juices going. Um, and a comic book, um, I guess possibly a previous lawyer for Marvel or Fox came out to state that due to previous Fox contractual rights with actors and producers, any future Marvel slash Disney X-Men projects would require compensation to those that team or those people. Um, so uh, that could also include even some creative control. And this expires, I think, in 2025. Um, so, mm-hmm. uh, which coincides with the end of a, a saga, right? A, um, a multiversal saga, Secret Wars. So um, this is, is a couple of things. One, that means Simon Kinberg and what's um, the other guy who directed Dark Phoenix? Um, oh, I can't think of his name. <laughs> Does it really matter? Yeah, it, yeah, it doesn't matter. Well, he, he kicked off the first X-Men movies, right? It, it doesn't matter. But they could come back and be like, okay, great. You got to pay me and I'm going to make some changes, right? And, um, 
you know, you have to use my actors and my versions of the characters if you want to make an X-Men movie. Okay. Yeah. So I, guess I, what? No, I, we're not going to make anything. <laughs> yeah. I love this new for two, this news for two reasons, right? Because uh, everybody out there who talks about uh, the Marvel or comic book movies are all armchair quarterbacks, right? And we're all pretending like we're knowing what we're talking about. And they're like, I don't, you know, Disney, they, they own Fox now. They can do whatever they want with the X-Men. They can throw all of this in there whenever they want. They own it, they own it, they own it. It's like, no, surprise, surprise, there's a contract out there that says they can't do anything to 2025. So I always think that's a great reminder, right? Just when you think you're trying to get into like a studio head's head or if you're trying to get into like feige's head right of like oh why is he waiting so long is it because he thinks you know the audience out there needs a break from x-men for a while and that could be the case but no we we have it right here if this is indeed true they just they can't do anything until 2025 they gotta wait for this contract to expire because they don't want all these loose ends i just that's what i think is like very very interesting is like any anybody out there will always tell you that they know exactly what's happening and then boom something drops and goes no we were all just fools uh so i think that's really interesting and also uh it's clever how they go about this right you know obviously they can allude to like a mutation in a way um when i first saw the news i thought it was more of like they couldn't announce like new actors who are playing any new Mm -hmm. roles right you know you can't announce like a new cyclops right because that is still kind of contractually tied down so i was like oh well maybe they'll introduce different mutants or something like that right it seems like this is a little bit more all-encompassing so i think overall this works great because i think the audience did need a break from x-men who kind of yeah. And in a sense, started all of this. I know Blade was kind of the first one out there kind of really yeah. bringing in uh, more uh, I'd box say, office I'd say dollars. Howard but the X-Men... Duck, right? I mean, everyone's favorite. <laughs> uh, yeah, but X-Men kept it yeah. going, right? So, um, well, so but, a couple of yeah, things. Crazy news. Well, you may be saying, you know, Chris, Mike, they they use X-Men, uh, in, in, these mutants, in Doctor Strange. Well, how did they do that? Well, literally, Patrick Stewart was playing the same character in that movie, right? Like, didn't other than what he, <laughs> other than the fact that they changed his wheelchair, did they change anything else about him? No. Mm-hmm. So they were like, okay, that's not really breaking the contract because you're using um, our actor in the same role. Boom, easy. Deadpool three, Ryan Reynolds can come back as Deadpool as an X Men. Deadpool r- rules, I believe, are a little dip- like I'm very unsure of these Deadpool rules because it's that character is pure parody, right? Like he skewers everything so is it because we've not heard anything about deadpool 3 is because they have to wait until 2025 as well like i would hate to wait that long to get another deadpool movie um so i mean what what is up with this one but that that could be it as well but i also wouldn't be surprised if maybe deadpool is just a slightly different contract right you know if we're talking about this this x-men stuff that was pinned what was it like is it 98 or was it 2001 when did that first X-Men movie come out? out? Wasn't it somewhere in that? 2000. 2000, okay. Right in the middle. <laughs> I yeah. split the middle difference. Right? So maybe that contract is just slowly going to mm. 2025. If you think about it, that's 25-year contract, right? Maybe Deadpool is like a little bit different in a way. Yeah. But, you know, maybe it is 2025, right? Yeah. Uh, so we just, have to, we just have to wait and see. And then story-wise, I think this makes a lot of sense, right? You know, you wrap up your big phase six multiversal thing and then your next phase is mutants right exactly and that's the way you can do it and and do it properly so that's why they didn't say 
X-Men. They've not said anything. They've alluded to mutations, right? Um, you know, Miss Marvel, stuff like that. So, yeah. And, and, and I think Deadpool will probably come out beforehand and totally be fine because they'll have a unique story and it'll be characters that we've not seen before yet, right? Like, Colossus would be the only one, I, th- I think, right, who would come back and be about the same character. So, um, yeah. I, I, th- I think this is great news to know. Kind of gives us a, a, a timeline and a game plan to know what's going to happen, right? Um, and, and not for us to be like, oh, they're not doing X-Men because they don't want to or they don't have a plan. It's like, oh, they legally need to not do this. So, um, fantastic news all around. Love that um, for... For us, for our knowledge, uh, for, for our little little databanks up here. Lastly, I'm going to kick off with um, a project, uh, I guess an upcoming movie uh, on Amazon Prime called Samaritan, starring Sylvester Stallone as the lead character, Mr. Smith, a.k.a. the Samaritan, who was a superhero who was supposedly died in a fire 20-something years ago, and he's been living um, in secret ever since and, until a kid finds him. Um, Mike, you watched this trailer, right? Um, this feels like mm-hmm. a streaming film. This feels like something I would not see in theaters but definitely something built for streaming if you will yeah i was watching it and i was like well this seems interesting it almost kind of seems like a uh like a take on you know maybe like hancock meets like real steel Mm -hmm. uh the story seemed you know enough to pique my interest but you know whenever you're watching a trailer for something on a streaming service you're never really 100% sure until maybe the end title card of like, is this a series or is this a movie? I'm not really getting the vibes here. And I even had to ask you when the trailer was over. I was like, is this a film or is this a series? And I was happy to see that it was a film because I was like, ah, I don't know if I could sit with this for eight hours. This seems interesting enough to hold my attention for about two. So um, It seems more, I wouldn't say PG, but maybe like a PG-13, right? Like It seems very... There are bullets flying, the, you know, there are people being thrown through stuff, but there's no blood and guts, there's no gore, right? It seems very tame for a, for something on Amazon Prime compared to, like, the boys we've been watching. Um, mm-hmm. The only reason I bring this up is, you know, new superhero movie, great. It seems very, very, very close to a comic series written by a friend of mine, uh, Victor Dandridge Jr., who I known, who I met actually at C2E2 my first year. He was doing 8-bit um, character art. For, for characters and he has gone to do some his own comic book stuff including the kindergartians uh trouble with love and then samaritan so um he wrote a comic called the samaritan it seems very close it involves a mr smith who has um these abilities and you know is trying to help a crime-ridden community so um the parallel is great i'm i hopefully i can see victor at c2e2 this year but i'm gonna ask him about it but i did link to his amazon book if you want to get it um his the the uh, version on the paperback version is thirteen dollars on there. You can also buy the digital version. I think on his website for like a dollar or something like that. Um, but it's my chance to say, hey, here's a movie coming out, and hey, here's where the source possibly could be uh, from from a small time comic creator. So um, yeah, I'll let you guys know more if I talk to him next week. But Victor's he's listened to our show before. I uh, hopefully if he's listening, sees his name in this, listens this far. Hope to see you soon. So um, yeah, you can check out that link to that trailer in our show notes as well. Mike, well, that's that is, a nice little shout out. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, totally. So that's the end of our show today. Um, I'm gonna go literally uh, get off here, edit this, and then start working on my more of my C2E2 packing since I'm already in that mode. But if people know what you're doing, what you're up to, where can they find you at, sir? 
Well, they can find me at Mike Royer Design on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And you can read my web comics at pickledcomics.com. Chris, if people want to catch up with you at CTE2 next weekend when you're doing all of those uh, bootleg scans for me mm-hmm. for all of those statuettes, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter, Valdan, D-A-L-D-A-N, or Instagram, Valdan87. Uh, I will see if Mike will give me access to some of the Superhero Slate uh, accounts so I can post all my stuff on there. We'll just post directly from the show floor. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not hoarding. I know. I just have nice, secure passwords uh, in my password sharing account. You do. I just don't know the logins, really, is all it boils down to. Not that he's holding them from me. I just don't have them uh, memorized. So we'll probably be doing some of that. So follow us on on, uh, Michael Tay's Superhero Slate socials for that. If you're going to be there, do let me know. Um, And, you know, we can... can you know, snag a photo together or something, hang out, uh, catch up, talk. Tell us what your favorite thing from San Diego is or what, what you like the most about C2E2. So very excited about that. Uh, Mike, if you want to listen to more about our shows, maybe go back and re-listen to that long, extra long episode from San Diego last week where you can get all that good stuff at. Yeah, if you uh, missed our San Diego Comic-Con recap episode or if you're curious about our reviews of any of these films that have come out in the last eight years wow it's been a trip you can visit superheroslate.com you can also get our awesome upcoming release calendar so tons of stuff was announced uh, last week there'll be more announced uh, in the future of this year we got a nice little upcoming release calendar on our website and you can find us on apple Podcasts, youtube spotify wherever else you love to listen to find podcasts like us on facebook follow us on twitter and instagram and you can get merch at superheroslate.com slash store we love hearing from you like i said reach out and let me know if you're listening um, I mean, watching, I suppose you could be listening still, mm-hmm. uh, to Paper Girls on app, on Amazon Prime. I want to know what people think about that. If there's enough to get me to go back in, I don't know. We, we will see. But we also love our super fans. So if you want to be a super fan of this show, all you got to do is share this show with a friend, share the show with a buddy, and we'll be here every week, folks. That's right. We'll catch you guys next week. Bye. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to subscribe!